Uh, I'm grateful because the league standing with me uh, was an important inflection point in my campaign. It gave fuel to our movement. We've had other inflection points since then, but together, I think we built the kind of strong movement that's connected to my running, but it's bigger than me getting elected. It's about it's about this this issue of humanity, which we have to continue to lift up. Welcome to Stewie's World. I'm Brianna Stewart reporting live from Spain. Reverend Warnock, thank you for joining me. Hello, it's great to be here with you. I just want to really just dive right in because I obviously know that you're super, super busy. I guess my first question, because I have so many questions and I'm sure the people that are going to watch this have so many questions. What made you get into politics? Like what made you kind of switch sides, I guess, and, and you know, be able to be like, I want to run for, for the U.S. Senate for the state of Georgia? Well, thank you so much. It's, it's wonderful to be here with you and uh, grateful for uh, the ways in which you're using your platform uh, uh, to uh, uh, get the message out uh, about the things that are important. Uh, I, my whole life has been committed to service. I'm pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church here in Atlanta. It is the spiritual home of Martin Luther King Jr., the pulpit from which he preached it's also the spiritual home of John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, who uh, is himself an American icon um, and whose name is synonymous with voting rights. I've been serving now at that church for 15 years. Uh, this run for the United States Senate is a continuation of my lifelong commitment to service. For years, I've been fighting for voting rights and in fact, uh, uh, I and the folks who work with me at the New Georgia Project have registered uh, over 400,000 new voters in this state. Uh, I've been focused on criminal justice reform. Uh, the United States of America is 4% of the world's population. We warehouse 25% of the world's prisoners. And um, our prison construction over decades continued to climb even when crime was going down. And there are systemic reasons for that. And I've been very focused on that work. In this moment, I'm very focused on healthcare um, and access to affordable healthcare. These are issues that I've addressed my entire life, climate change, um, a whole range of issues as an activist. And going now into the United States Senate as one of the two senators from Georgia gives me an opportunity to translate my lifelong commitment of agitation to legislation, my protest in the public policy for the sake of building what Dr. King called the beloved community. Like looking back, obviously we're in December. Can you believe that the last time we were on a Zoom like this, it was July, do you remember? It was myself, some other of the social justice councils, our executive committee. Seems like these months have really flown by. And one thing that I remember that you said on that Zoom, obviously everything you're advocating, but the biggest thing for me was you want to be on the right side of history. I mean, I think, you know, that's that's myself as well. But, you know, you're someone that that's continuing to kind of lead by example. And the fact that you're so genuine, you know, you're real. You said you've dedicated your life to service and, and that's what you're doing and continuing to do and to help make the state of Georgia and, and our entire country better. So I just want to say thank you, I guess, for everything you're doing. I know that it's it's definitely not easy, but you know, like you said, you're going to be on the right side of history. Yeah. I mean, this, this is my work and it's really, 
Um, it emerges from my faith. Um, I, I'm a Christian pastor, and uh, for me, my understanding of the gospel is connected to the work of liberating uh, humanity, but particularly the most marginalized members of the human family. Uh, it is good news to the poor, as Jesus describes it, quoting Isaiah, opening the eyes of the blind, set, setting the captives free. Um, and so my faith functions for me in this sphere, not in the sense of doctrine and kind of sectarian, you know, uh, beliefs. Uh, I, I don't want to force that on on anybody. Uh, you know, I preach on Sunday mornings. Uh, but but the values that I think obtain in all of the great faith traditions and those who don't necessarily claim a faith tradition, but are people of moral courage, values like justice and justice making and truth telling and compassion and empathy and love of neighbor. Um, uh, there, there are iterations of that in, in all, in, in various traditions. And I think that, uh, what I've tried to do in this campaign is to embrace that fully, to say, this is who I am, uh, to express my deep commitment to our building the beloved community and, um, trying to bear witness to the American covenant. E pluribus unum, out of many one. Our country is not great in spite of its diversity. It's great because of its diversity. And so when I heard about the WNBA players standing up in this defining moment in American history, saying Black Lives Matter, uh, I was just so proud of you and all of the other players uh, who pushed back and ignored the people who were, in a word, saying to you, you know, play ball and keep your mouth closed. Yeah, shut uh, up but you them. understand, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I said it nice, nicer than they than, than some folks have put it. Um, sure. But you you have resisted that, and you've made it clear that just because somebody owns the team, that doesn't mean they own you or own your voices. And you are expressing your voice, and and history will re, will will remember this. Um the ways in which you stood up in the places where it counts. Uh, some people stand up just to be counted. Others stand up to be where it counts. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the women of WNBA. I, I like that. I like that. Um, that's saying a lot. I might, I might actually take that. Um, you can have it. <laughs> it's okay, out there. Th thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but the fact that you have so much support, I mean, I follow you on social media. I'm sure a ton of, ton of people follow you on Twitter and, and Instagram and all these things, but you have a ton of support and the league kind of got behind you. It seemed like really quickly, you know, obviously we had that initial meeting for those that don't know that are listening. We had an uh, initial zoom meeting that was pretty intimate, you know, a smaller group. And then another zoom meeting with, I think it was the entire league where it was, you know, an opportunity for us to hear from Reverend Warnock, what he stands for, what he does and, you know, how we can continue to help use our voice and, and support you. Obviously, everybody saw the the Vote Warnock shirts. I still have my shirt. It's in Seattle. I didn't I didn't bring it overseas, uh, but I definitely should have because I could have worn it today. But our league, you know, our league is, is a league of amazing 
women who continue to to kind of stand up and stand up against the hate and the people who don't like what we say or don't like what we do or how we dress or how we play basketball and this, that, and the other. But I think we resonated what, with with you and, and what you stand up for. And it was cool for, for me and I guess the rest of us to see how quickly we were able to, to make things happen, even in a, a virtual world, in a bubble. Obviously, you are continuing to have your crazy schedule, crazy, crazy busy schedule, but we were able to to send a message. And obviously, you know, the owner of the Atlanta Dream, one of the owners of the Atlanta Dream is the one you are going against. But to have the support of Kelly Leffler, we'll, we'll say her name one time. That's it. <laughs> one time. I, I didn't want to say it. I kind of want to call her Karen, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, to to go, be going against Kelly what did it mean to have the support of the WNBA and also of the Atlanta Dream, the players, and and have conversations with them and continued conversations with them? I guess, what did that mean to you? Yeah, I'm deeply honored by the support that I've gotten from the WNBA. Uh, it's hist- I, I, I don't know that we've ever seen in history, I don't think so, uh, where an entire sports league, a professional sports league in its entirety, endorsed a candidate. Um, but this was a special coming together of, of things. Uh, you all, first of all, were out there with your own message. You weren't trying to make a political statement. You were standing up for uh, out of a humanitarian cause, uh, out of a sense of human rights and civil rights. It wasn't a political statement. It is. It was the acknowledgement that what we saw in the tragic flashpoint of George Floyd uh, required a response, a human response, and that beneath it was a whole list of hashtags, human beings that too often have become hashtags. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Sandra Bland, uh, Tatiana Jefferson, Botham Jean, eight-year-old Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, who was similarly lynched uh, uh, by those sworn to, to protect and serve on a New York City street years ago. We've been in this struggle and in this fight. And uh, you all stood up in a moment uh, to say that we can't look away. This is not who we are at our best. We're better than this. And at that same time, there was a multiracial, multi-generational coalition of conscience pouring out into American streets. Uh, saying that this is not uh, who we are at our best. We're better than this. And um, we, we, uh, I think, I think uh, it was a lot of things going on in that moment. The fact that I think people were in their homes for weeks, holed up because of the COVID-19 challenge. And when they saw that tragic footage of a, of a, of a human being literally begging for his life and onlookers, begging for his life and um, the, 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 the sheer brutality of it all. It demanded a response. And so people masked up to protect themselves against one virus and they poured out into the streets to wage war against another virus. We were in the midst of COVID-19. Folks were standing up against COVID-16-19 the ways in which the continuing tragedy of race and racism continues to show up in our beloved country. 
And what I heard from the women of WNBA is how can we be silent at a time like this? And I was so proud. It reminded me that I'm a little older now than I care to admit uh, because, you know, I've been, I was fighting on these uh, and standing up on these issues years ago. Uh, as a seminary student in New York City, there was an African immigrant named Amadou Diallo who was shot dozens of times uh, while reaching for his own wallet on his own front stoop. Uh, and while it shouldn't matter, he's a human being. Amadou Diallo, by the way, was a brilliant man, apparently spoke several languages. He was a student and he was killed in cold blood. And it's the first time uh, I got a uh, arrested in an act of civil disobedience. It was while standing up for Amadou Diallo. That was 1999. And I looked up on my television screen and I saw a group of young people in their 20s who don't remember that incident, who don't remember Rodney King, may have heard of him, but they don't, you didn't live through that. And 20, 25 years later, we're still standing up, dealing with these issues. In fact, Dr. King names the issue of police brutality. He calls it out by name in his most iconic speech, the I Have a Dream speech. He's talking about police brutality in 1963. And so to acknowledge that there's a problem, contrary to what my opponent is trying to argue, does not disparage the work that law enforcement officers do. It's just to hold them accountable is to recognize that there is abuse of authority in all kinds of professions. She certainly knows about it because she's abused her own authority when she heard about the coronavirus pandemic, rather than thinking about the folks she's supposed to be standing up for. She was focused on sheltering her own investment, dump, dumping millions of dollars, $3 million of stock, profiting off of the pandemic while playing it down to the rest of us. And so uh, I'm grateful because the league standing with me uh, was an important inflection point in my campaign. It gave fuel to our movement. We've had other inflection points since then, but together, I think we built the kind of strong movement that's connected to my running, but it's bigger than me getting elected. It's about it's about this this issue of humanity, which we have to continue to lift up. I mean, I absolutely agree. You know, like you said, we're continuing to to lift up humanity. One question that I have, so I follow you on Instagram, and you obviously have the support of WNBA players, and you have the support of a ton of celebrities, tons and tons and tons of celebrities. I saw um, Kerry Washington commented on your one of your posts, and I was kind of like, whoa, like Kerry Washington from Scandal, you know? Like, that's, I used to watch Scandal when I was in college. So who is one public figure that you've gotten support from that you were kind of like, whoa, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was deeply honored to get the support of Kerry Washington. I'm a big fan and have been for a yeah. long time. Uh, I, I saw that retweet that you mentioned mm -hmm. and it was a reference to my mother. So that made it really special. And so for the folks who are watching, um, I, uh, tweeted a picture of my mom who had just voted for me that day during the early vote period here in Georgia. And uh, I mentioned the fact that my mom grew up in the 1950s in Waycross, Georgia. 
And like a lot of Black teenagers growing up in Waycross, Georgia in the 1950s, she spent many days picking somebody else's cotton. And that earlier that day, those 82-year-old hands that used to pick somebody else's cotton picked her youngest son to be a United States senator. That is the grand and uh, extraordinary arc of American history. It is a story within that larger story of the American people bending that arc closer to justice. And um, I, I was deeply gratified that my mom went viral. She she did. That's that is definitely for sure. And I mean, what a beautiful thing to have your mom be able to to cast her vote for you. Talking about early voting, uh, 1.4 million Georgians have already voted in early voting for this runoff, which rivals the general election. To me, that's that's crazy because obviously I know there's a lot of people in this world and, and we see that with all types of things. But to have 1.4 million and 41,000 people vote who didn't vote in the general election because for whatever reason it may be or the fact that they just became eligible to vote, I guess, what do you continue to say to to voters who have voted already and who still have not voted yet, but are hopefully going to very soon. Sure. So I want to encourage the folks who are watching this and are registered to vote in Georgia. Uh, If you haven't already voted, please go and do so. Uh, Election day is January 5th. But as I often say, we should no longer even be talking about election day, particularly in the middle of a pandemic. There's no such thing as election day. We've got too much work to get done. This is election season. And uh, election, uh, early early in-person voting began on December 14th. It goes until December 31st. And then election day, as we call it, is January 5th. But we shouldn't wait until then. Uh, the last thing you want to do is wait until January 5th, and, and there's an ice storm in Georgia. <laughs> uh, ice, you know, there, right. there are other folk who can push right on through snow and ice, you know, in New York. But all yeah. it takes is a threat of snow. <laughs> Uh, to shut everything down here. And so you anything can happen. I mentioned that, but it, it could be anything. And we just, um, you don't want to wait until then. You can go to votewarnock.com uh, to get more information about voting, to make sure, to verify that you are registered because this is a state where they've purged people from the rolls. You don't want to get there on, on the day of and discover that there's an issue. Um, you can get information about your polling location by going to votewarnock.com. But we need all hands on deck. And I want to encourage the folks who don't live in Georgia who are asking, well, what can we do? You can support my campaign. Uh, you can volunteer and you don't have to come to Georgia. In fact, we're not encouraging a lot of people to come to Georgia in the middle of a, a global pandemic. Yep. Um, if, if you follow Gladys Knight's advice and take that midnight train to Georgia, make it a virtual train, Uh, go to my website and you can uh, sign up to be a digital volunteer, text people into Georgia, remind them to vote. Uh, We have a formidable army of digital volunteers 
Um, we have the largest ground game in a Senate campaign that you've seen in, in American history. And you're seeing the fruit of that work in this moment, in real time. I'm, I'm so proud of the young people who are standing up, who understand that health care is on the ballot, who want to make sure that they can stay on their parents' insurance until they're age 26, which is one of the benefits of the Affordable Care Act, which uh, my I, opponent- I... Yeah. was on my dad's until 26. There you go. <laughs> so we, we want those young folks to be able to stay on, on their parents' insurance. We want to make sure that people with pre-existing conditions still have coverage. And here in Georgia, we need to expand Medicaid, which is a, a, which is a decision at the state level, but it is something that, that I can assist and support uh, as a United States senator through legislation um, that will incentivize Georgia even more, even more to do the right thing and join the other 38 states that have already expanded Medicaid so our hospitals will stop closing and we won't leave 500,000 people in the Medicaid gap without coverage at all. Climate change, um, a whole range of issues are on the ballot. Young people understand it and that's why they're showing up. And they're going to continue to show up, especially as we go through the rest of this this home stretch. All gas, no brakes. I, I, I said it earlier before you came on. I want to talk about the runoff a little bit because I was wondering if you could just explain it for those that don't know. I mean, I had to educate myself a little bit um, when everything kind of came to light about the runoff and why I guess there is a runoff in the state of Georgia and, and really what it means to Georgia and our entire country. So in Georgia, uh, you have to uh, win, uh, at least in the in the Senate race and other races, you've got to get over 50 percent of the vote. You've got to get over 50 percent of the total vote in order to win. If nobody gets over 50 percent, then you have a runoff election. So uh, there were 21 people in my race. Wow. Back in July, when we, when you and I talked and we got on the Zoom, there were 21 people in my race. And so mathematically, it was darn near impossible that anybody was going to get over 50%. So I finished that race first. I got more votes during the general election than anybody, including the incumbent, uh, Kelly Leffler, who'd been on TV for months spending millions of dollars. I finished seven points ahead of her but not with 50%. Uh, and by the way, our names were listed alphabetically and because my last name begins with a W. Uh, I was right where I was when the teacher used to say it's time to line up for lunch. I was always the last kid or the kid next to the last kid in line. And here I was again. So people had to look for my name. Yeah. Um, and still I finished first. So you then go to the runoff, the, t the top two vote getters go to the runoff. So it's me and her in the runoff. And clearly one of us will get over 50%. That will be me. And uh, we, we, will win yes. this, we, yes. will, we will win this runoff election. Now, John Ossoff is also in a runoff election. There are two Senate seats up in Georgia. And um, in that race, even though it was uh, John Ossoff, his opponent, Purdue, uh, and a third candidate, no one got over 50%. So that race also went into a runoff. So you had all of these Senate races going on across the country. And ironically, the two runoffs were both are, are both in Georgia. 
So we need folks to come out one more time. Doesn't matter that you voted for me on November 3rd. I'm grateful, but it doesn't count if you don't come back out on January 5th or during this early period. Uh, again, go to votewarnock.com. We can absolutely win this election. We have the coalition we need. Everything hinges on turnout. Turnout, turnout, turnout. Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to say once again, thank you, Reverend Warnock, for, for coming on and, and joining my podcast. Someone who is an advocate for health care reform, voting rights, you name it. You know, it seems like you're you're continuing to, like I said earlier, be on the right side of history. Reproductive um, for- rights, LGBTQ equality, standing up, making sure that a, a child's outcome is not determined by their parents' income. You know, someone who who needed Pell Grants and low-interest student loans to finish school, I will be an advocate for ordinary people. Absolutely. And, you know, you heard it exactly from from the man himself. Reverend Warnock, thank you. For those that are in the state of Georgia or may not be in the state of Georgia that are registered in Georgia, please continue to vote. Vote early or vote on January 5th. Thank you so much, Reverend Warnock. And good luck. I'm, I'm watching here from afar. I'm watching from overseas. And, and I know that, you know, you're going to get it done. Great to be here with you, Stewie. Take care. That's a wrap for Stewie's World. Thank you to my guest, Reverend Warnock. For those that are registered in the state of Georgia, please continue to vote early or vote by January 5th. We have the opportunity to do something really special here and flip the Senate. For the fans out there, subscribe to the Uninterrupted YouTube channel for more episodes. For the audio podcast listeners, subscribe to the Stewie's World feed wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brianna Stewart and stay tuned for more on Stewie's World. Happy holidays and see you next time. (laughs) 